You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number four of a series called From Dream to Reality, where we are taking a deep dive study look at the life of Joseph, which can be found in Genesis 37 through Genesis 50. And we've been looking at this guy's life, but more than a study of one character in the Bible, this series is all about our character. It's, a, it's really a series that's about character, who we are behind the scenes when nobody else is watching because our character actually plays a massive role in our dreams becoming reality. And we see this in Psalm 105 verse 19. It's kind of our theme verse for the series. And it says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character, that that time in between his dream and his dream actually becoming reality, that whole gap, which for him was 13, 14 years, that whole gap was actually about his character. And that's because big dreams must be supported by big character. That's so important that whatever dream that you have, I'm telling you, it must be supported by big character. I I was thinking of it this way this week, is that character is like the foundation of a house. That if the foundation is bad, the entire house is bad. That it doesn't matter like how cute the outside is and how the aesthetics look. If the foundation is bad, I'm telling you, the value of that house tanks. And character is like that foundation of a house. And so in this series, we're taking a look at Joseph's life and the nine character tests that he took for his dream to become reality. And, to, and so far, what we've talked about, we've talked about uh, the pride test. In week two, we talked about the pit test. Last week, we talked about the Potiphar test, which really is the faithfulness test. And today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, today's going to have a lot of like very practical, a lot of content today. So today, if you're taking notes, we're going to be talking about the purity test. I was waiting for applause right there, but um, no? Okay, cool. Um, The purity test. And we see this in Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 6. And if you remember, Joseph was sold as a slave to a guy named Potiphar. And he was very faithful in his season under Potiphar. And he was actually elevated and promoted to like really running all of Potiphar's house. And that's where we pick it up, starting in verse 6, where it says that Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Just like my friend Jared Blair right here sitting in the front row. Jared, why don't you stand up and just show how well-built and handsome... There's so much power in this microphone. Uh, <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> so Joseph was very handsome and, and a well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. And just so we're on the same page, she wasn't talking about taking a nap, if you know what I'm saying. And... Um, pretty forward. Uh, It says in verse eight, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. 
No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. But she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Verse 11, story turns. In verse 11, one day, however, no one else was around. And when he, when he went in to do his work, she came and with a lot more being forward, grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Now, right off the bat, let me just address the big old elephant that is in the room. I know, I get it. I know it can feel super weird and super awkward to talk about this topic in church. I get it. Uh, Some of you right now are holding your breath, just thinking, what in the world is this dude about to say today? Um, And I I get it. I've been there. And uh, here's what I want everybody to do. Just take a deep breath, okay? Just just breathe in, breathe out. We are going to get through this, people. but today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I, and I love to think about this, when, especially when it comes to new relationships, uh, because this is so true, because uh, every relationship is this, and every new relationship is this. And I'm going to ask you today, just for the next 27 minutes, to be able to embrace the awkward. Let's today, let's just embrace the awkward, because I think... It's so important for us to have this conversation today. And as I was thinking about it this week, for four reasons. One, because I cannot teach Joseph's story and leave this part out. I can't do it. Second, because the Bible, because God's word, like is not silent about this topic. And then three, because the world and culture is definitely not silent about this topic. And let me just tell you my prayer for you and I is that we would be people who are shaped by God's word, not by culture. And then four, the fourth reason is because we all face temptation in this area. Every single one of us, no matter our age, stage of life, gender, or lifestyle, we all face sexual temptation. In fact, in a moment of honesty, let's just get this off our chest. How many of you by show of hands have ever struggled with sexual temptation? Come on, put your hand up in the air if that's you, if you have ever. I'm sorry for sitting by your mama right now and it just got weird, but just, but let's get real today. Let's just be honest. Man, every single one of us have faced this issue. And just so you know, There is no area in my life where I have faced more temptation than this area right here, hands down. There's not even a close second. Before I got married, there's no area of my life where I faced more temptation. After I got married, there is no area in my life where I have faced more temptation than this. And by the way, I think it is so easy for us to buy into a lie straight from the enemy that marriage fixes all this stuff. That if I could just get married, 
then I won't struggle with temptation like this anymore. And I just, I love you enough to tell you the truth because marriage, it doesn't solve your problems. Marriage magnifies your problems. Can I get an amen from married people up in this month? Yeah. It, 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 does, it doesn't solve anything. It actually makes them bigger. Like it magnifies your problems. I promise you, purity does not get easier with age. I am 40 years old. I'm, I'm about to turn 41 in a couple of weeks. And it is just as difficult for me to walk in purity at 40 as it was when I was 20. When I was a raging, out of control, walking hormone. It, is, it doesn't get easier with age. So we just can't sit there and say, well, it just wait till I get older. It doesn't. It doesn't get easier. And in Genesis chapter 39, when we look at Joseph's story, we see that he experienced sexual temptation big time. But did you notice that it wasn't just a one-time thing with Joseph? Did you notice that it was that it actually, like Genesis chapter 39, verse 10 says, that she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of his way as much as possible. In other words, like Joseph, he had to deal with this each and every day. That there wasn't one day that went by where he didn't have to deal with sexual temptation. And doesn't that sound like the world? that you and I live in today. Doesn't that, thousands and thousands of years later, it describes what we're experiencing in 2022. Listen, temptation never takes a day off. And we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded by temptation in this area. We are constantly bombarded by things like pornography. In fact, I did some research this week and 40 million Americans right now regularly look at pornography. A third of those people are women. So this is not just a guy thing. I know many times that you, you maybe have grown up in a church where a conversation like this was only directed towards one gender, but I'm telling you, this is all of us. Every single, and I'm telling you, let me just go ahead and be honest, man, pornography, it will destroy your life. It will destroy your relationships. And so this is something that that is, that is, is just bombards our world. So the question is, in a world where we are bombarded by temptation, how can we be pure? How can we pass this purity test? Well, Joseph actually shows us how in verse 11 and 12, it says, one day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. And she came and she grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hand as, here's the two key words, he ran from the house. So how did Joseph pass the purity test? He ran. And we see this game plan throughout the Bible. In fact, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, hey, just like Joseph, in Genesis chapter 39, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? In other words, God lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. 
For God bought you with a high price. And by the way, that high price was Jesus. So you must honor God with your body. So this says that when you are faced with sexual temptation, God's game plan is for you to run. And by the way, this is the only sin that I can find in the Bible where God's strategy is for us to run from it. And I think that's because he knows that we're not strong enough by ourselves to be able to fight it and defeat it. And he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to help us. He's not trying to take the fun out of life. He's trying to take the sting out of life. God's ways are God's ways for a reason. And he says when it comes to this area, like Joseph, run. But here's what I love. My favorite scripture on this whole topic is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Because it, it, it kind of takes it a step further. It says that run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lusts of youth and chase. In other words, run after all that is pure. See, what I love about this scripture is that it doesn't say just run from something. It says run to something. So if you want to know the big idea of this of this message today, it's this. Don't just run from sexual temptation. Run to purity. That is how you pass the purity test. Don't just run from something. Run to something. And so the question is, like, what does that look like today? What does it look like in 2022 for you and I to be able to not just run from temptation, but to run to purity? Three things today, and then we're going to go crush some lunch. Number one is run towards honesty. Run towards honesty. If you want to run to purity, we have to run towards honesty. Listen, if you are struggling in this area, honestly, if you are struggling in any area, any area, you need to be honest and bring it into the light. Because we have to understand that the devil, he works best in the dark. So as long as we keep things comfortably hidden in the shadows, it still has power. But the truth of God's word is that when you take something that's in the dark and you put it into the light, you take its power away from it. That's why it's so important to be honest. Listen, we are only as sick as our secrets. In secrecy, it destroys our purity. So if you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. You don't have to tell everybody, but you do need to tell somebody. In fact, I highly recommend not telling everybody. (laughs) So please, do not, in service, go out to the lobby and just tell everybody all your junk. Like, no, that's not, please do not do that. That would be really weird, really awkward, and so don't do that. But you need to tell somebody. Listen, here's what Proverbs Chapter 28, verse 13, it says, people who conceal their sins, they will not prosper. But if they confess, if they take it and put it to the light, if they're honest and turn from them, they will receive mercy. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins. Be honest to each other and pray for each other so that you may be 
healed. And I know when you read those two verses, that goes against everything that we feel on the inside, doesn't it? Because I know that I feel like, man, if if I tell somebody, if I'm honest, somebody's going to reject me. They're not going to, I'm not going to experience mercy and healing. But I'm telling you, that's what God's word says. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I I don't have anybody to tell. Because my encouragement is to tell somebody today. Don't wait. Like, tell somebody today. And maybe you don't have anybody to tell. At the very end of our service, we do this every week. We're going to have our prayer team that will be up here. And we do this because we want to make prayer a very normal part of what we do as a church. It's a really big deal that we have a culture where we invite God into everything that we do. And that be normal. And so if we can pray for you for any reason, big or small, we desire to pray with you every single week. And so, but maybe you are experiencing some some of this stuff. And it's like, I just need to be honest. Man, this is why we're here. Some of our leaders, you can trust them. They're not going to give you a bunch of count. They're just going to pray for you and create a, a spot to be honest. And it doesn't have to be just that. Like, if we could pray for you for anything, man, we want to pray for you. And that's a very tangible way that you can respond today, to run towards honesty. Here's the second thing, is run towards accountability. And the truth is, to win, we need more than just honesty. We also need accountability. We need to not just confess and bring things into the light of what we've done. We also need help from other people to not repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. Listen, you need someone consistently looking you in the eyes and asking about your purity. And I recommend that it be every single week at the same exact time every week because I've learned that the power isn't in asking every week. The power is knowing that you're going to be asked every week. Like there's so much power in that because when you're face-to-face with temptation and then you know tomorrow I'm going to get asked that question, it helps because accountability helps. To this day, I have accountability in this area of my life. Here's a few ways. One is that I give Heather every single account and login and password that I have. And I give her permission at any time without my asking that she can check anything at any time. Like she can go through my text, look through my email, look at my social media, direct messages, my internet history. She even has my location. Because I just made a commitment. I don't want any secrets. I don't want to live my life with secrets. And the truth is, if she can have my last name... She can have my, my logins and passwords. And so that's one way that I'm accountable. Another way is that every single month, I have a phone call with all three individually of our church overseers. And if you haven't been to Grow Track yet, step one where I explain what that is, our overseers are external elders who are my spiritual authority. And, and they ask me every single time about my purity, They ask me about my marriage, every single phone conversation. And to be honest, it is awkward. 
It's a little awkward. But I'd rather feel awkward than fall in this area. Because I know that there's consequences that come from that. I know that if I fall in this area, my life is destroyed. That my marriage can be destroyed. That my calling is going to be destroyed. So I know I invite it. Even though it's awkward, I'm going to do it. Ecclesiastes says this in chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 and 12. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And that's what accountability does. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Let me tell you what I've learned. Being accountable is not easy, but it is effective. And so run towards honesty. Run towards accountability. And then number three, run towards wisdom. Run towards wisdom. I'll explain that in just a moment. But first, let me tell you the kind of progression of temptation. See, it always starts with looking, with what you see. And then looking leads to lusting, which is internal. It's what you think. And then lusting leads to impurity, which is external. It's what you do. So that, that's the pattern. That is the progression of temptation. Starts with looking and what you see, then leads to lusting, what you think, and then impurity, what you do. And we see this in the story that, we're, that we read today. We see this actually in Potiphar's wife. Look at Genesis 39, verse 7. See if you can see all three. And it says, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him, and then that turned to lustfully, and then it turned into actually doing something. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. So you see that progression. That looking led to lusting, and lusting led to impurity. Now, let's get theological for a moment. Because it's really important for us to understand that when the Bible talks about sin, which is our mistakes, all the different ways that we fall short. In fact, the word sin is an archery term that means we miss the mark. So anytime we don't hit a perfect bullseye, every single time that the Bible talks about sin, it uses two different words. One of the words is this word transgressions. And the second word that's used is iniquities. So transgressions and iniquities. And it's really important for us to understand the difference between those two words. See, a transgression is an external action. It's on the outside. It's something that you do. But an iniquity is an internal attitude. So it's on the inside. So one's on the outside, one's on the inside. A transgression is an external action and iniquity is an internal attitude, but both are sin. See, Jesus talks about both 
in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 27 and 28. And just for context, the reason why Jesus says this is because he's addressing a, a thought at that time by the religious leaders is that everything was about the outside. That if you control the outside, then nothing matters except for that. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. That, by the way, is from the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, that God's top ten list. It made it. And that is a transgression, right? That is an external action. But he goes on to say, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, that is an iniquity. That is an internal attitude. That's not external, it's internal. And by the way, I just want to highlight the fact that Jesus, who is full of grace, that he never lowers the standard. In fact, he actually raised the standard right here. And if we go back to that progression, we see that some people, what their strategy is when dealing with temptation is that I'm going to deal with the impurity. Really, it's a reactive way of, it's like when the impurity comes, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop what I do. Some people, they're like, no, I want to take it a step further, and I want to deal with the lusting, and I want to be able to help control that, and I'm just going to try not to think those things. But wisdom says, deal with the looking, what you see. Because if you don't look, you won't lust, and you won't even get close to impurity. And that, my friends, is running towards wisdom. That is fighting smarter, not harder. That's saying, I don't even want to mess with those other two. I, I, I just want to deal with the, so I don't even have to deal with the lusting or with the immorality. My, my dad, he always has these sayings that kind of stick in my mind, just these dad sayings. And he would always say this when I started driving. He said, Brian, you will never get a speeding ticket if you don't speed. I was like, Dad, you're right. <laughs> as cheesy as that is, that is right. And the truth is, you will never lust if you don't look. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, Jesus goes hardcore. And he says this, so if your eye, even your good eye, it's like in my mind how I think, it's like, is he talking to pirates? Like, what is going on here? It's like, <laughs> um, so, so if your eye, even your good eye, even that one, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is like Jesus in this extreme way of saying, guys, don't look. Don't look. Because if you look, then you may lust. If you lust, it may lead to impurity. And so today, for you, like that verse played out in our lives today may look like stop going to those places. Maybe it's find another gym, cancel those streaming services, delete those apps, stop for the love of God DMing people. Stop it. Stop sliding in to somebody's DM. Stop it. That don't work. Get off social media. Like install some accountability software 
on all your devices. I recommend, if you're looking for one, Covenant Eyes. I know many people on our leadership team have Covenant Eyes on some of their devices. Do that. Maybe if you have an iPhone, have a friend change the screen time settings in your phone and put a password that you don't know on it that puts restrictions on what you can see and download. And if none of that works, get rid of your technology. I'm serious. Trade in your smartphone for a dumb phone. Trade it in for a flip phone where all you can do is call, text, T9 style, and play snake. That's it. I'm serious. I'm telling you, your purity is more important than having the newest technology. It is. Man, I dream of being people who, who say these words from Job chapter 31, verse 1. Like, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look. That's wisdom with lust at really anybody, man or woman. I've made a covenant with my eyes. I, like, I'm not even going to look. That's running towards wisdom. But what if you're at church today and you've made some like massive mistakes in this area? And as soon as you heard the topic, as soon as we started laying this conversation out, you were just flooded with guilt, shame, regret, condemnation. And honestly, you live your life that way. You live your life just carrying around guilt, shame, regret from mistakes that you've made. Maybe you've crossed lines that you never thought that you'd cross. Maybe even right now, like you're owned by pornography. You want to stop, but it literally feels like you can't. And it's like, I take two steps forward and three steps back. I keep finding myself in these same vicious cycles over and over again. Listen, I've been there. There's been times in my life where I have felt all those things. And first off, if you are here and you do, and like you are just weighed down by so much guilt and shame, if right now the entire 30 minutes that I've been talking, the enemy is just lying, whispering in your ear, bringing up memories. Let me just tell you, that is not from God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, those who are found in Christ, that there's no condemnation. That means there's no guilt. There's no shame for those who have made a decision to follow Jesus. So if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, shame off of you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can change that in about five minutes. And he can take all that from you. And so it's so important for you to hear that today. And I can tell you from personal experience, I'm telling you, I have moral authority to share this message today. You do not have to stay where you're at right now. You don't have to stay where you're at. Here's the good news today, that God has made a way for us to be fully forgiven fully free and fully healed from all our mistakes in this area and in every single area of our life to be free and to be healed from every sin, all of them, the transgressions and the iniquities. And even if you think about that, 
You think about, man, for some of you, maybe it's like, man, I fall on the transgression side. I have done some things. I have made mistakes. Some of you, the battle's in your mind. And it's like, no, man, I really struggle with the iniquity side. Let me just tell you right now that Jesus paid for them all. In fact, check out this verse, which maybe you'll see in a brand new light after our conversation today. Man, this makes me so excited. Isaiah chapter 53, verse five, in a prophecy talking about Jesus says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, the external, the things that we've done. And he was crushed. Some translations say bruised, which is under the surface for our iniquities. That's internal. Those are the thoughts. Those are the, man, I can't believe that's happening right now in my mind. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. See, this says that the good news of the gospel is that no matter the mistakes that you've made, whether they're internal, whether they're external, whether they're transgressions, whether they're iniquities, that Jesus on the cross paid for every single one of them so that you can experience healing and freedom today that can only come from him. And I'm telling you, that is available to you today. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And uh, I want to ask for you to just create just a very private moment between you and God. I ask you maybe if you were taking notes to put those things down and maybe you have your phone, maybe put that away just for a moment. I just want to ask that before we leave, that we carve out a little space for God to speak to us. I believe that God wants to speak to you today. And so no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, I wanna ask you right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer and just say, God, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him, is there a response that you have for me today? Like, how can I let what we've talked about today affect my life? Maybe ask him for a next step. And maybe you're here and what God is saying to you right now is, hey, today you need to have a honest conversation. Like, don't wait, have it today. Maybe for some of you is to figure out how to not just have one honest conversation, but how to have consistent accountability in your life. Maybe you need to make some kind of tangible change that really affects your looking. But maybe you're here and and you need to receive just healing and forgiveness from past mistakes. Let me just tell you this. This is such good news. Jesus already proactively paid for every mistake that you and I have ever made. Every single one. I want you to hear that fresh today. Maybe you've grown up in church and you've heard that over and over and over again. And if there's anything that's popped into your mind of like, I've made this mistake and that mistake, listen, right now, Jesus is saying, I love you. I've already forgiven you. I've already paid 
for that sin. And maybe you've never made the decision to receive the forgiveness and the grace of God. Maybe you have in the past, but for whatever reason, you've walked away from God. And today you just need a fresh start. Before we end our service, we wanna give you the opportunity to get right with God. And we're not gonna point you out or make you come forward. We're not gonna do anything to embarrass you. We would never do that. But I do want to pray for you. And if you're here and you know that is what God is speaking to you, you know that is your step today. You need to get right with God, whether it's for the first time or it's all over again. If that's you today, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to raise your hand as a step of faith. Nobody's gonna be looking around, but it is so important for you as an act of humility to say, Jesus, I receive the healing and the forgiveness and the freedom that you've already paid for. And today I wanna receive it for the first time or it's all over again. If that's you on the count of three, put your hand up in the air. Nobody looking around, one, two, three. If that's you, raise it up, raise it up. I got you, I got you, that's awesome, that's awesome. I got you, that's awesome, that's awesome, that's awesome. That's awesome, anybody else? Like I, I need it fresh. That's great. You can put your hands down. Just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you and I need you. I'm sorry. I repent for living my life without you. And right now I invite you into my life. Will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender everything to you. I give you my life, everything. I give you my past, every mistake. I don't carry it anymore, I give it to you. And with me letting go of that, with my hands empty, I receive your grace. I receive your healing. I receive your freedom, come on. I receive your forgiveness. Right now, receive a fresh start. And today, God, I choose to follow you with all my heart. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for paying for every single one of my sins, the external, the internal, all of them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, can you do me a favor? And can you clap your hands? Come on and celebrate. Come on with all those that just made the most important decision of their life. That's awesome. We are so proud of you. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.